Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is February 1st, 2023, and we are continuing our series called Words for Life, and our word for today is lifestyle, lifestyle. And with that, What does God require of us? How should we live? Are there requirements for living in God's kingdom? Obviously, with a word like lifestyle, we want to ask these questions. What sort of lifestyle should we have? And ultimately, I want to bring up the idea of successful living. No, I don't mean successful living as in prosperity gospel, but We can admit that we want to live our life successfully. And the way to living a successful life is to live a kingdom lifestyle. You know, what is that kingdom lifestyle? Well, I want to live with the belief in Christ. I want to live out my faith, not just some mere religion. That's being successful. When I'm walking with Jesus, I am truly successful. So all of us understand uh, there's a difference between something that is foolish and something that is wise. And I'm bringing this up because oftentimes kingdom living, the world considers foolishness. If you want to know more about that, I did a one-year series over the kingdom and we talked a lot about the philosophy of the world as viewed with kingdom living. Um I encourage you to go check out that entire series or 50 some odd lessons on that. Um, you can check that out on our website. But I, I want to take a little bit from that, go back to this foolish, wise thing. You know, there are some things that are just obvious to, to us. There's some things that we can do that you just go, man, that is just stupid. Uh, that That's not a smart thing to do. Um, but God has a way of turning our understanding upside down, where it just doesn't make any sense. So our three scripture passages today, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians, the book of Micah, and Matthew. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. 
But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame those things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. The world, through all of its great ideas of what's good, right, and fair, can never understand what God considers good, right, or fair. The, the values of the world, they, they do not match up with what God considers wise. And think about it, you know, the, the world is really good at carefully constructing uh, its themes, its values, what it considers foolishness and right. Um, and yet, its values, the things it considers successful, popularity, hard work, those aren't God's values. Where the world is those things, success, popularity, hard work, with God, those values is love, mercy, and grace. Totally upside down. When you look at this, this passage, notice that God says he's going to destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And the a portion of this I really want to pull out on this is it says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. And the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. They, they had prophecies and they were waiting and waiting. And then here comes Jesus and he's fulfilling prophecy after prophecy. Matthew has over 60 prophecies in the gospel of Matthew alone of prophecies Jesus fulfilled. And not just something that you may argue, well, he just manipulated that. He, he, there were multiple prophecies about his birth. It's awfully hard for us to, to manipulate how we're born and under what conditions. Um, no, Jesus fulfilled these prophecies from before his birth and through his life. And But in the midst of doing this, and by the way, think about this, not only is he fulfilling prophecy, but he's, he's healing. The blind can see, the lame are walking, the deaf can hear, lepers are cleansed. Uh, he's performing miracles. And yet when he comes to these Jews, they go, give us a sign. Jesus, just give us a sign and we'll believe. Listen, people with closed, hard hearts who don't want to know the truth will never believe no matter how much evidence you give them. And Jesus said, the only sign they'll be given is the sign of Jonah. And what's that? That's the fact that Jesus was crucified and buried and was in the grave for three days. And then he rose again. That's their sign. And that's the sign that still, if you have a hard heart, even having the evidence of being dead and buried and coming back to life is still not enough. 
It's still not enough. The Greeks seek after wisdom. The Greeks of, of this day, they were into philosophy. They liked to debate. When, when Paul went to Athens, they, they had an entire hill where they would go and they would just talk and debate. It was entertainment for the Greeks. They, they loved this. And they love to seem like they're intellectual and they want to know things. But the, the, the truth is they're not after the truth. They wanted to hear about your philosophy and they wanted to talk philosophy and they wanted to sound like they were seeking such wisdom. But in reality, they could care less about what was true or not true. It was just a game, a part of entertainment for them. And in the midst of this, Jews saying, give us a miracle when they weren't going to believe, and Greeks seeking after wisdom, which they didn't really want. Here comes Paul saying, but we preach Christ crucified. We're going to talk about Jesus dying for our sins and raising from the dead. And it's a stumbling block for the Jews because the Jews, that's not what they're asking for. They're, that's not what they want. They stumble over this whole message of, of Christ. And to the Greeks, it's like, what? What do you mean God died on a cross? That doesn't make any sense. That's just foolishness speaking. We want wisdom. And, <clears throat> excuse me, but think about this. Is not our world and people in our world so much like this? There are Christians that are chasing after signs and wonders. They're constantly they're going to conferences and they're chasing signs and wonders from the Lord. And yet, God is moving right now in our midst. Can they not just see where God is moving right where they're at? To think that you got to spend money and get in planes and, and go all the way across the planet to see something that maybe God is moving right there where you're at. Or this wisdom thing. We're seeing this happen on the college campuses with professors and the indoctrination and the things that are happening. All these intelligent people. I've heard someone say they've never seen such educated stupid people. And it's this this education, this philosophy, this indoctrinated thing on these campuses that wants to speak and be wise, but yet there's actually no reality of wanting to seek truth. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know reality. They just want to philosophize and talk about these ideas that mean nothing to life and and, and ultimately survival and prosperity and success. And we see this. And God says that these things are going to happen in the world because he's going to take the wisdom of this world and he's going to he's going to bring it to nothing. He's going to put it all to shame. And he wants us as believers to understand that we need to find that wisdom. We need to find what we're looking for in him. Now, I want us to go over and look at the book of Micah, Micah chapter six, verses one through eight. It says, hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O mountain, the Lord's complaint. And you strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people. And he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? You testify against me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage, and I set before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what Balak, king of Moab, counseled, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him from Acacia Grove to Gilgal. 
that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, God's values are different. They're different than the world. Uh, his, his, his culture um, is, is different. When we, when we look at this passage here, Notice that it's the Lord speaking. He's, he's, he's willing to arise, plead your case for the mountains. The mountains in these biblical times, they, they represent places of authority. That's why all the, the false gods, the false temples, the pagans, they want to do their thing on the high places, on the mountains, because it was considered a position of authority. And so here's the Lord. He's saying, plead your case before the mountains. In other words, get where you think there's a place of authority. Let's let's hear, let's hear it. You know, um, let's hear your complaint. And then he goes, "You strong foundations of the earth." The Lord has a complaint, and see, the Lord now is going to complain about what those foundations of the earth. What is the values? What is it the culture of this world is built upon? The Lord has a complaint, and his complaint is about his people, his people that have picked up those values, those cultures. And he's bringing it before. And the Lord is reminding them about, I brought you out of the land of Egypt when you were captive. And Egypt so much represents the world and bondage of the world and how God redeemed his people from that. And he's bringing that back as like a testimony against us complaining. He's like, I delivered you from that. And he brings up the fact that that the enemies... Uh, Balak, the, the king, uh, wanted, uh, wanted to curse, uh, Israel. And he's bringing up these things from the past in history, uh, to remind us. Um, and then, of course, he gives that response about for us that we begin to say, well, how can I rectify this? Do we, do we need a, a, a thousand burnt offerings? Do we need, you know, a thousand rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Do we need to, to get some anointing oil in here? And, and all this religion, all these things, he goes through all this stuff where the people have become very religious. They, they thought they could just do the right ritual, the right offering, the right things that, that's, that would make God happy. That, that that would satisfy their spiritual duties. And yet God's like, I've already shown you what my values are. I already told you how to walk. He says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. You see, the values of the, wor- the world, they're just inappropriate for God. Um, here in the book of Micah, God is telling Micah, he wants, he wants him to refocus his life. You need to refocus what you do, Mike. It's not about ritual. As he reminds us, do justice, mercy, loving kindness, walking humbly. It's a totally reorientation of your life. All your relationships, it, 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 needs, to, it needs to follow what the Lord is putting before us. This is abundant life. This is what abundant life is. This is about successful living. How do you have this type of, of lifestyle? It's this acknowledgement that we need to serve God. He is our source. 
you know, to the world, the idea of, of, of justice isn't the way God sees justice. To the world, this idea of loving mercy, I mean, the world likes to talk about love, but their love's not merciful. The world's love is you do for me or I don't love you. Um, God's love is a love that it, it's, it's, it's not based upon what we do for him. He's chosen us even when we do terrible things. He wants us to love unconditionally. Part of that, that king and to walk humbly. The, the world's value is very arrogant. We talk about how many narcissists are running around today. And that's pride and arrogance. God wants us to, to walk humbly. It's a total upside down reorientation of our life. Now, now let's, let's, let's take this lifestyle just one step further in Matthew chapters one through 12. Let's read this real quick. It says, and seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, and when he seated, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And he's describing really how life is to be lived. Our word is lifestyle. Well, he's describing a lifestyle. Of course, this section we call the Beatitudes. And when I was younger, I didn't get what Beatitude meant. It just, I was just all one word, but it's really two words. It's be, like, as in what you are, and attitude. How do you think? What's your attitude like? It's what our attitudes should be. So it's Beatitudes. It's what we're supposed to, to, to be. What are you? I am. That's, that's a be. And so my attitude should be these things. And these aren't just moral qualities that we accumulate. If you look at this and you think this is a, a point of morality, you miss it. So many times in the past, there has been this idea that we can be moral without God. That you can be a, a good person. There are, there are good people that aren't Christians. The Bible says there are no good people at all, period. And that goodness is only from God. And that we come to him when we get saved, we come to him and we confess our sins. And he bestows that his righteousness, his goodness to us. So as, as, a, as a Christian, any goodness that's in me, I know it's, it's come from the Lord. And the world deceives us because we think we're good enough. I know here in Texas we have this thing about these good old boys. There are going to be a lot of good people and good old boys that will be in hell because our goodness isn't really good. It's upside down. It's not morality we need. It's we need the Lord. We need him. And when we look at this in this 
Sermon on the Mount, we see that God is doing something. You know, what is it that God is doing? God is blessing. God is actually blessing something. God is blessing the poor in spirit. What is the blessing? Well, he blesses them by giving them the the kingdom of heaven. He blesses those who mourn. What's the blessing? Well, he will comfort them. So he's giving these blessings out to something that these people are. It's not, I'm going to morally be poor in spirit. No, they, they are. They are. And they're, because that's what they are, those, those attitudes that, that so many, when you look at these, all of these are people that are humble. These are, are people that are walking in, in, in a top of mercy, a top of loving kindness to others. They're all doing justly. I'm not here to preach and teach on what each one of these mean, but I want you to understand God blesses those that are these things. Their lifestyle calls forth blessing, blessing from the Lord. And those lifestyles are shaped by their attitudes. If you have an attitude where you hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord, I, I want your righteousness. I, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for your righteousness. That because you have that type of attitude, it affects how you live. And, and that, and that, and that attitude that that's what I want, God blesses that. And this is foolishness. So many of these beatitudes. This is why the Sermon on the Mount turned the world upside down because the world's values are not this. They're completely opposite. You know, how many, how many places do you go? And I'm, I'm thinking about there's just so many churches that have taken up this prosperity gospel thing where they go and they, you walk in and they, the, the, the preacher's preaching you need to be rich. How many do you hear them preach you need to be poor in spirit? How many are telling you how, you know, how to be poor in spirit? Because see, if you're poor in spirit, you have need. And that need is filled in, in Christ. You know, just Matthew chapter 6. You know, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things. And one of those things in that in that passage, if you go back and you read that, it's what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? If you seek God first, he takes care of all those things. So, but if we walk around thinking we're rich and I don't have any need, I don't need anything from God, what are you going to get from God? But when you go to God, you go, God, I'm poor and needy. In Revelation chapter 3, when he's prophesying to these churches and he goes to one church and says, uh, you know, you think you're rich and you have no need, but you don't understand you're poor, naked, and wretched. But you think you don't need anything. And and that's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be in a position where we think we don't need anything from God when he has everything that we need. And when we acknowledge these things and we live like that, God, I need you. He blesses that. He blesses us in these areas. And then one more thing about lifestyle. If God is blessing this and you see God blessing it, goes back to sort of Abraham a little bit. God said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. That means that me as an individual, I should bless these people as God wants to bless them. Because if God is blessing the poor in spirit, if I don't 
if I see a person that's poor in spirit, if I see a person who's mourning, if, if I see a person who's being merciful, who's pure in heart, I should bless them. That's something that I should do. Why? Because God is going to bless them. And if God blesses them and I bless them, then I get blessed. But if God blesses them and I don't bless them, then you see this is the lie that there's a middle ground. That's the lie. There's a middle ground. You can just do nothing. But that's not that's that's not reality. You're either blessing someone or you're cursing them. And sometimes us doing nothing is like a curse. You might if you're doing nothing, you might as well just do something evil because it's the same thing. Jesus also says that in Revelation when he tells the church, you're lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. There is no middle ground. That's something that the the devil wants you to believe, that there's a middle ground. You can sit on a fence. There is no fence sitting. You're either in his kingdom or you're not. You're either blessing someone or you're not. And if you're not, then you're cursing them. So if you curse them, then God says, well... I'll curse because when God blesses the people who bless them, he blesses too. Likewise, if God, if God's not standing with them and you're going to go stand with them, I'm, I'm rambling on at this point, but I, I want you to, to understand that these are eternal principles. So for truly successful living for that, for that lifestyle it goes into that being of we need to seek the Lord. We need to uh, be open and, and, and have those, those, those attitudes, the God, I want you. And then we need to act upon them. It's that do justly. You know, I, I want to, I want to be a blessing to people. I want to, I want to put the love that he's given to me out. And as it becomes a lifestyle, not some moral standard, not a, I'm doing good works, thinking I'm, I'm getting checkpoints. No, it's, it's what, it's what God has made me to be and to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today that you've given us this word, a lifestyle. Father, I pray that your spirit would come and fill us up, God. That, that we would live out the lifestyle you've called us to that's totally upside down from the world, God. And that, Lord, you would bless us and we would be a blessing to others because of you, because of what you're doing, God. Lord, turn our world upside down and those around us. We thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in us. In Jesus' name. Again, you can check out more lessons, more teachings from our website, www.christianimpact.net. And until next time, God bless. Hi.